centering in on, again, what the, what the Lord has for us. <clears throat> but faith for prayer in the Holy Spirit is, again, incredibly fundamental to our life. And I found a, a note that I had written on, on my desk. Desk is not the tidiest place, as my wife could attest. But I found this here that I had written quite a while ago that prayer is simply talking with God. I think we, sometimes we get religious and we, we use different vernacular and different tone of voice when we pray rather than just getting real. And Jesus said, you know, except you become like a little child, you can't enter into the, into the kingdom. And little children have a very good way of making their needs known. From the crying to the verbiage and, and whatever, they're just really straightforward in all of that. And I think there's a lot of times we need to come back into some of those postures again of just being real. And one of the things that <clears throat> I've learned to do and I've taught others to do is let your heart talk. Don't pray out of your brains because most of the time that's soul stuff. And we talked about that earlier. That's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And there generally isn't a whole lot of faith in that area. But when you let your heart talk, you get real. And you come into that place of laying hold of the Lord straight away. And one of those places to go <clears throat> is Hebrews 4.16. It says, come therefore boldly before the throne of grace to obtain. Obtain means leave with. That's our Lombano word in there. Leave with mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That well-timed, appropriate help coming just when you need it. Truth be known, that's 24-7 and everything. Sunday we talked about the area that number one thing we use faith for is for salvation. That's the bottom line. To become children of God, sons and daughters of the king of all the earth. John 1 and 12 says, to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. The becoming is a process. We enter into that. It's like children, they start out totally helpless in that area. When we're first saved, we're kind of helpless in that mode as well. But we grow and we increase in the grace and the knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Prayer is also in that same dimension. Sometimes we're just kind of a little bit clumsy and awkward. One of the things I also teach people to do, and I do this myself, is when you're alone, pray out loud. Where you can hear it with the ears on your head. Two reasons. <clears throat> Number one, you get past the fear of the sound of your own voice. When you come to pray for someone else, you're not terrified of the sound of your own voice. The other area is your spirit will begin to discern whether you're praying in faith or you're praying religiously or you're praying unbelief or begging prayers or bargaining prayers rather than believing prayers. So the verbiage in, in when you're with people and around people, sometimes you want to pray in that area, at least move your lips in that area. If they want to know what's going on, you have a great opportunity to share in that dimension. But there's something about forming words in that area will assist you in a dimension of prayer. You get real with that area. And that's really the bottom line. You gotta own the Lord for yourself personally in all of these dimensions. And it's gotta become practical and functional in our lives as well. If it's just religious, it's probably soul stuff and there's not a whole lot in there. 
But one of the things that I've also learned to do in that area is asking the Lord for faith to pray what he would have me to pray. So the Holy Spirit then begins to be directive in that area and produces something in there. There are many times where I've had to go to the Lord and say, look, <clears throat> there's nothing in the bucket. I have no faith with it. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to pray this. And he's made me be honest with him. And he said, listen, tell me you don't want to do this. Ask me to create in you the power to willing to do for my good pleasure, not yours. And it stimulates something in the dimension of prayer at that point in time because I got honest with him. Because there are other times he said, don't tell me you want to do this when you don't. And I said, well, but I do. And he said, no, you don't. He said, watch where your feet go. You can tell what's in your heart by watching where your feet go. Where do you walk this out? Where are you acting on the faith that he's given to you? So these things translate into something that's real. It's not carnal. It's not religious. It just, we lay aside the, the religious stuff. Because this was another thing he had said to me. He said, Les, you're just blowing smoke to me. You've got to get real. Tell me that you don't want to do this and let me help you. Let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself. That's what faith is. It's an impartation of the power of God and gives us a capacity to enter into these things. Now, <clears throat> the other thing about prayer, I'd written on this little note, it's two-way. It's speaking and it's listening. And we're going to talk a bit about listening prayer tonight because I believe that's one of the most neglected places. We have pretty good ability to speak out what our need is and, and to articulate that before the Lord, but the area of then we leave. We're done with our prayer and we leave. We don't wait or we're not paying attention. God has some things to say. <clears throat> one of the things that I've learned about the Lord, God talks when he wants to. Sometimes he answers immediately in some of these things, and other times I've forgotten I've even asked this, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Oh, yeah, well, thank you. And so, if you come up with something brilliant, give him the credit for it. Well, let that sink in there for a minute. Because sometimes it's not my lightning fast mind that just connected with something. He dropped something in me. Because he's incredibly practical and very functional in every part of your life. And it isn't just religious things. It's practical things of your life. And that's why prayer is such a vital area. Take him into the workplace, wherever you work, or go to school, or family situations, whatever it is. Bring him into that because he knows more about it than you do, I guarantee you. And it's one of the things I learned at the dealership in that area. I didn't know any better right after I got saved. I just took Jesus to the dealership. And I've told you, many of you, lots of stories in that area. But it changed my life because it moved from the church house into the dealership or the marketplace, whatever your marketplace is in that area. Because he, that's where the lost folk are at. And it opened up all kinds of opportunities for me to minister to people, to witness to people, to pray with people. I'll tell you what, when people are in trouble, I haven't been turned down very often in that area. Now, I have been a couple of times. And I said, I don't want you to pray for me. I said, okay, I won't now, but I'm going to pray later. <clears throat> they can't stop me, see. 
but it's an area where you begin to minister to people out of your spirit and minister to them out of the word of God. So that's another thing I want to say about <clears throat> um, the word in, in prayer. <clears throat> we use this scripture out of 2 Timothy 4 last week in that area where Paul says to Timothy, preach the word in season or out of a season. The Amplified says what's well, convenient or inconvenient, preach the word. I'm saying pray the word. Pray the word of God. If you want to learn how to pray, I'll give you a few of these. Um, I don't have them up there, sorry, but you'll just have to write these down. There's the prayers of the New Testament and use them and pray them. You can use them word for word or draw out of them, but praying the word of God and the promises of God is huge because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. This is his verbiage. So the first one is John 17. You know, we, and we're going to look at, you know, part of the Lord's Prayer tonight, but I believe John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. This is what he prayed for the boys just before he went to the cross. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 17 to 23 is another one. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I got saved praying that scripture. And that was what I was taught at the time, <clears throat> to pray the word. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. <clears throat> and Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Those are just some of the prayers of the New Testament in that area. And as you begin to use those in that area, it will help you when you're praying with your own words, does it sound like Jesus? Does it sound like the word of God? Is there faith in this? And it'll stimulate something in your heart and it'll cause faith to grow in that area. <clears throat> in 2 Peter 1, uh, that's a whole teaching by itself. But Peter says, he talks about the exceeding great and precious promises whereby we become partakers of divine nature. The promises of God. 2 Corinthians uh, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22, it's, it's the phrases there, and all the promises of God are yes, and they find their amen in Christ Jesus. So there's a foundation then of scripture to begin to pray and declare these things. The Psalms is another place that I go on a regular basis. The Psalms are just a wealth. And talk about getting honest. Boy, David gets just ball-faced honest. And it'll be a place you can really relate to and develop your prayer life that's based on the word of God, the promises of God, and his character. <clears throat> that's the thing that's always being challenged by the enemy and by your flesh is the character of God and his faithfulness in that area. Because faith, remember, believes as real fact that which is not yet revealed to the senses. And I think there's a lot of times when you can't see something happening and there's nothing measurable, and particularly when there's a long time frame involved with it, we tend to withdraw faith in that area. We begin where fear, doubt, and unbelief begin to take over and undermine the credibility of the character of our God. <clears throat> so we're going to talk a, a little bit First of all, on some of the foundations of listening. So if you go with me to Psalm 81, and we're going to hear the heart cry of our God here. Because our God desires to have intimate relationship with you, to be able to hear his voice. Remember Jesus said this in John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So if you're a sheep, you've been born again, you hear his voice. 
Now, your mind will discredit that, and I guarantee the enemy will, and so will other people. But we're looking at the word of Jesus Christ, not your mind or any other flesh event in that area, because this is fundamental. You've got to be able to hear his voice. This is an imperative for us to walk in and to be able to understand that. <clears throat> and we'll see some of the results of refusing to listen to the word of God. Psalm 81, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. This is the heart cry of the Father heart of God. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. See, we could say, oh, that my people right here at the bridge would listen to me, would pay attention, would receive the love that I have for you, all the knowledge, the information, the, the wealth of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now, go with me to Jeremiah 29. This is another familiar section in there, but this is the result of his people not listening, not paying attention, going after idols and refusing to worship the living God. <clears throat> Israel, the, the, the northern kingdom, had already gone into captivity and some of uh, Judah has gone also. And this is a letter to those that are in captivity. <clears throat> I want you to, to pick up on a couple of things about the character of God here. For thus says the Lord, and this is verse 10, pardon me. When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then you come and call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Notice who's doing the listening here. Okay? Obviously, they did not. <clears throat> and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is incredibly important to understand in this area. And I remember the Lord saying this to me years ago. Many times he will come and quote scriptures to me, back to me again. He said, I know the plans that I have for you and I'll tell those to you if you'll ask me. So there's an area of coming into that relational place with him and having dialogue with him about the practicum of your life. I'm sorry, I got to emphasize this again. Get rid of religious verbiage in that area. You got to get real with him and talk with him about the practicum of where you are or where you're not and what you need from him in that area. And then there's the area of worship, and there's submission, and there's declaration of who the Lord is to you. Paul says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. There's a speaking out about what you personally believe about Jesus Christ. It's an imperative. It'll feel good on the inside of you when you begin to declare, you're my Lord, you're my King, I love you. I want to submit to you. I want to hear from you. I want to obey you. Would you continue to produce that in me? In Philippians 2, it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the Amplified says in verse 13, but not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while at work within you. And here's the phrase, creating 
power and desire both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He gets pleased when we move in faith. See, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But when you do move in faith that he gives you, that's what blesses him in that area. There's relationship. See, in prayer again, faith in the whole aspect of this is not a procedure. It's a relationship. And that's what he's bringing us back to as a fellowship. Remember these basics. Come over there. Let's re-believe these things. That word re-believe has been a cardinal word to me. He said, now you believed it over here. I want you to believe it here again on purpose. And some of the time I have no capacity for that. So I have to have faith authored in my heart to believe it here. Because this circumstance, it looks like I'm clear over my head. I don't know what I'm doing here. Now it was over here. I had great faith. I came here. I have nothing. Part of the, the principle in this is dependency. He is requiring us to be dependent. We want to learn the procedure and then repeat the procedure. I'm cool with that. I got that figured out. He said, no, no. He said, that won't work. And I have tried this multiple times. I kid you not. Where I have tried to implement the faith that I had in another area in this situation. Those are the times where the words dribble off your chin and run on the floor. There's no power in them, no faith in them at all. So I got nothing. He says, good. Now come here. Let's talk. Let me show you what I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. I will tell those to you if you will ask me. The asking and the specifics of this thing is huge. And some of the times we have danced around this and we have prayed religious prayers that had no faith in them at all. And he understands that here and he says, okay now. And I've had him say this now, are you done yet? Or, how's this working for you? Well, not real well right now. He says, you want to talk about it now? See, when the Lord asks questions like that, he's not seeking information. That's for my benefit. But there's an area of humility of heart and the gentleness with which he teaches us. He's a good papa. He has good things for us. See? And that's the part we miss in that area because we get religious and weird. We're stuck in our soul. I talked about that on Sunday. We get stuck in our soul. I've been there two or three times today, stuck in my soul, man. Oh, God, here I am again, you know. He says, okay, now just rest, relax, come here. And he always makes me look him in the eye at that point in time because I'm embarrassed where I'm at. But he makes me do that to see his approval of me when I'm messed up. That's what he was doing for Peter in that area because he saw what he had and what the father had planned for Peter down the line. I guarantee you Peter hadn't caught that yet. But when Jesus turned and looked at him after the denial, oh my word, was he pierced in the heart. But the restoration is always there. That's this thing here in, in Jeremiah. He says, I've got a plan for recovery for you. You fouled this thing up. You're in captivity. That's what disobedience and refusing to listen does. It puts you in captivity to the devil, I guarantee you. But he's got a plan, and it's always redemptive. I heard Rick Crawford say this a lot of years ago up in the barn. He said, the Father's heart beats with redemption, 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 redemption. Never forgotten that. That's the heart of the Father. He always restores and redeems and saves 
to the uttermost when we're really messed up. Now you all look at me like you've never done any of that. But we all do. Don't we wander off the trail from time to time? And we need help to get back on the trail again. We need to re-believe some things that are for you personally. There's something about this personal area. Boy, and that's why he's... I had intended on preaching some different things in this season while Rick was gone. But he said, you go back to the basics. And you go to faith, you go to prayer, and you go to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. And we have gloriously proved that. So it's an area, again, let's get back on the trail. And let's do this together. See, there's an individual walk with the Lord, but there's a corporate walk with the Lord that's incredibly important. None of this, none of us can do this by ourselves. We desperately need each other. And we get off the trail, we need somebody to pray with us to help us back onto that again. <clears throat> okay, go over to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33.3, I have written in my margin, Ron Reary, 717.83. I had just come into the ministry at that point in time, full-time. I'd been part-time for a lot of years. And Ron had been, uh, was a guest speaker at our church. Senior pastor was gone, and I'm just kind of filling in, facilitating. And Ron came to the house, he and his wife, and... and uh, we had dinner and we're sharing and talking about all kinds of different things. We, he got up to leave and he said, I have a word for you. And he gave me this word. And I'll tell you what, it's stuck with me and it's been one of my cardinal verses all these years after that area. It's called to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. There's that relational place of come child Come as you are, not as you ought to be. Come to me, and I will tell you. <clears throat> the call to me, there is an address, and Jesus tells us, he says, call Father, our Father. Father was a totally foreign term to Jewish people in that season when Jesus brought that out later on in that area. It was far too intimate in that area. And there's no evidence that anyone before Jesus ever used that term in addressing God. But Father is huge in that area. And he says, I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things. There's a couple of promises right there. To answer is to pay attention, to respond, to begin to speak. Will tell you, will announce. And it's always in, in the Hebrew, it's always by word of mouth to one present. Now, it's really interesting in that area of God speaking to us. There are times where he speaks directly to us, and, and you know it's him, and he answers that. But there are more than one ways that God speaks. There are times he will speak through another person. <clears throat> Matter of fact, the whole area of me uh, preaching on faith in that area is, uh, I don't know, it's about three weeks ago, Rick really emphasized the whole area of faith and was just strong. It was just something, it was almost an aside from where he was at, but it was a strong word of faith. And I heard the Lord say, you need to change what you're speaking. You need to speak on faith. 
You need to go back to that again in that area. So I heard the Lord through what Rick was saying from right up here in that area. It really, it really pierced me in that dimension. <clears throat> the other thing, there are times where I've really heard the Lord answer something in my daily Bible reading. Where I'm not looking for something, I'm just reading through where I'm at. I've been stuck in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 for an extended period of time. And I, I'm ready to go on. And he said, no, 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 read it again. Read it again. So this morning I read through uh, chapter 4 in a good section of chapter 5. I get down to chapter 5 or 17 and it says, pray without ceasing. And it just went off in my spirit again. Because I got to thinking about that. Well, how can you do that? I can't be talking all the time. And he said, no, that's the listening part. That was confirmation to me what I had already prepared to preach. Listen, listen, people, listen to me. That's the heart cry of the Father in, in that dimension. And I needed to hear that again. <clears throat> and then he says, I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Well, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. We talked about that on Sunday. He's incapable of it. But the spiritual man, so we need the Holy Spirit to teach us how to be able to hear and how to be able to receive. <clears throat> so, let's go to Romans chapter 16. And I want to show you something in, in this area, again, of how the prophetic, see the a large part of the Bible is prophetic. It's speaking of things that are coming, of Jesus coming, the whole area of the mystery of Messiah and all of that area that was hidden. And we'll see that here in a moment. <clears throat> but it also edifies and exhorts and it comforts. That's what the prophetic does. And it speaks something into our lives that we need to hear on a repeat basis. <clears throat> Before I go that, one other thing about uh, hearing the Lord, um, and I've had this happen a number of times where somebody will come along and just say something. They, I haven't asked them, because they don't have any idea what I've asked, but all of a sudden, boom, they'll say something or they'll quote a scripture or whatever, and it's the answer to what I've been looking for. And that's such a precious thing also that we edify one another by listening to the Lord. <clears throat> I got to tell you this because this was amazing. Um, this was just shared uh, with me today. Uh, one of this, this person said, I'm driving down the road, like minding my own business, and the Lord said, Call this person. And they said, Well, I never call that person. And so they kept on driving. And the Lord said, Stop, call this person. Okay, they got on the phone, called the person. It turned out they needed to be prayed for at that time. It was exactly what they needed to hear. Because they heard, there was the listening part was turned on, on a continuum. This is huge. And it's those areas, and I've had those things happen to me as well. Say this to that person. It does not make sense to my mind at that point in time. Well, your soul, there's no faith in your brains. Remember, we talked about that on Sunday. Faith comes in your spirit. Just listen and obey me. And the result was this other person was incredibly ministered to 
and they needed what this other person had that they didn't even know they had. That's the amazing part of those kinds of things. When, when faith comes, you'll be able to speak prophetically into a person's life and you're not trying to. Corrington Boom's got a great statement for this. He says, being spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. Because if you try to be spiritual, you're just weird. Please don't. Let's just get real. Hear the Lord and obey what he tells you to do. I thought that was such a great story. So, <clears throat> what things? Great and mighty things. Uh, Romans 16, starting with verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you. Love that phrase. According to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. But now is manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets. According to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations. Notice this leading to the obedience of Jesus Christ was promised from Genesis 3.15 right on through in that area. And the princes of this world had not known where he was coming from or who he was. But when he came, he was manifest. Manifest in the flesh. Died on the cross. Was raised again to life. And has given us the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to walk with him in that area. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Go back to Psalms here for a minute. We want to pick up one more of this. Psalm 91. <clears throat> Very familiar psalm to many of us. But a lot of times we can read some of these things that we haven't taken hold of. We've not made application. We've not received it for ourselves. <clears throat> Remember our word lambano. Lambano is to accept what is offered, take hold of it, receive it in that area. Also, two-part word, not to refuse or reject. And sometimes, well, I like, that could be for Pastor Rick or Jake, but mm, probably not me. And that's the enemy always coming to undermine the credibility of the word of God for you. He said, no, 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 this is for you. Come, child, come receive this. Come lay hold of it. <clears throat> Verse 15. This is the calling again. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and let him behold my salvation. That word salvation there is Yeshua. It's our Jesus. The salvation, that's what's being revealed is the person of Jesus Christ. Because if you get church stuff without Jesus, you've got religion. You haven't got anything at that point in time. When you get Jesus in the church, with the church, by the church, and him being Lord of the church, then we're, then we're headed in the right direction. And we're able to carry these things out. Okay. <clears throat> now we're going to look at Jesus in the area of modeling prayer. Mark 1 verse 35 says, And early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Luke 5, 16, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And then go with me to Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> because he's demonstrating something to it. And I'm, I want to... 
us to catch the practicum of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that are imperative for us so that we have relational intimacy with the Lord. We have conversation with him. He gives us direction and we carry them out by his grace. <clears throat> Luke 6, verse 12. And it was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. But when day came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles. Whole night in prayer. Now I confess that this is conjecture on my part, but I can just imagine Jesus having this discussion with the Father. You want me to have a zealot and a tax collector in this bunch? This could be really interesting. Are you sure? And then there's the sons of thunder. You know, that could be interesting. And Peter, well, we never know where that's going. And then Judas, really? Now, I grant you, but see, this is the kind of dialogue you will have to have with the Lord from time to time about things that will not make sense to your mind. And I'm not saying Jesus was arguing with Jesus or with the Father in that area. But you've got to put this in real. He was tempted in every manner as we are, yet without sin in that dimension. He walked through these things. This is real stuff. And when we get real, we begin to have those kind of conversations with the Lord and then faith comes and then he comes down and he chooses exactly the ones. Because in John 5, 19, Jesus said, I'll do anything except what I see the Father doing. There was relationship there. That's what Adam lost in the garden. Jesus Christ came to restore relational intimacy and being able to hear and understand the Father heart of God. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 11. We're going to land here for a little bit. Love those pages turning. <clears throat> this is totally aside, but I heard it said recently that when you read on a screen it doesn't stick as good when you read it on a page. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I like the page. You know, it's hard to write on a screen, you know. And my son-in-law, this isn't the Bible he saw, but he saw my Amplified, and he said, I thought it was a red-letter edition. No, it just got a lot of underlines in it because it lives in me, and it's jumped off the page to me from time to time. So... Pray the word, be in the word, believe the word, and receive the word. That'll take you a long ways down the pike. Luke 11, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. Now again, this is conjecture. I'm saying that straight away in that area. I think it might have been Andrew. Because Andrew had been with John the Baptist when he heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so there was something going on in that, that relational area. He saw something happen. Whoever this disciple was, and they had witnessed Jesus praying on a time to time, and they said, We need to know how to do this. <clears throat> and so I'm going to make a couple of comments, because this is a different form of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus used in uh, Matthew 6. 
Rick's got an excellent teaching on it in Matthew 6, but I'm going to make some comments, but I'm going to go where Jesus is making application of what he taught. That's what I want to land on today. <clears throat> he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Mentioned this earlier, this intimacy with calling God Father is huge in that dimension. And some of us had to have, have had a difficult time with fathers. And so even speaking the word Father out is a difficult area from time to time. But our God is not like your earthly father. He is full of mercy and full of compassion and he is a good papa. In uh, 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, and I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters uh, to me, says the Lord Almighty. This is his will and purpose to as many as received him to them. He gave power to become children of God. This is very family-oriented and God-oriented to all of us as his people. <clears throat> so back to verse 1 for just a second here. The boys didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. They said, teach us to pray. And they recognized something that was going on that was incredible in that area. So this is another basic dimension of entering into by faith. Give us our daily bread. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of this, but part of this area is getting real with what your daily needs are. Talk to God about them. Bring them to him. He already knows it, but relationship is an imperative to him. He wants you to come visit with him about whatever your need is. And then it says, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So keep your finger there. We're going to come back in a moment. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> because forgiveness is huge. And I think there's a lot of times there's some blockage to our prayer. Pardon me, when we have unforgiveness in our life. Mark 11, I'm going to start with verse 22. <clears throat> And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And this was a response to the fact when he had cursed the fig tree and it's withered from the roots up. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. <clears throat> These verses have been used sometimes in a selfish area that I can just get God to do whatever I want him to do. Well, God does what he wants you to do when he gives you the faith to do it. That's an altogether area than trying to get God to do something that he isn't doing right now. <clears throat> but I want you to look at verse 25 and 26. It says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have Notice this, anything against anyone. This is incredibly inclusive. So that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. 
But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Boy, that's intense. Because remember the prayer was, forgive us as we forgive everyone who's indebted to us in that area. Unforgiveness results in something incredibly toxic in your being. And I think a lot of times people end up with even physical ailments and etc. because of the toxicity of unforgiveness and bitterness. Uh, Hebrews says, be careful that no bitterness arises among you whereby many are defiled. So it isn't just you, it's others are affected by this tremendously. So that's part of the area of asking the Lord for protection in that area and the ability to forgive. And I've had to do this a time or two because when you're grumpy and you don't want to forgive in that area, you can produce the verbiage. But those are the prayers also that dribble off your chin and run on the floor. There's no faith in them. There's no power in them at all. And I've, I've had those areas, and I've produced the verbiage, but it wasn't there. Until I really got honest with the Lord and said, I am really angry about this person in that area. And he says, well, why don't you give that to me? Why don't you let go of that area? And like, it's, I'm stuck in my soul again. I can't, I can't turn this thing loose. And so I've had to humble myself and say, listen, I don't even want, remember what I was talking about earlier? I don't want to do this. Would you come and create that in me? And I have literally felt this numbers of times. It's like a little switch flips. And all of a sudden I want to do, which 10 minutes ago I didn't want to do. Because he imparted something to me that was supernatural. Because the naturalist didn't have any intention of forgiving this person. You know, there's another thing in, in Matthew 18 where the, the fellow that had been forgiven the insurmountable debt went out and had his fellow servant by the throat for 20 bucks. Been there, done that. But you know, when you really from your heart forgive, something is amazing. It's like a weight and a load lifts off you. It's, uh, it's again, it's a, a work of grace. Because grace gives us divine ability to do that which we could not or would not previously do. And it releases something and it lets it go. Weight comes off of you. And we'll, we'll look at it a little bit more of that in Hebrews in, in a moment. <clears throat> now, back to uh, Luke 11. <clears throat> And he also says at the end of this, lead us not into temptation. Well, we know from James that God doesn't tempt anyone. He said, you're tempted and led aside by your own lust. I think another way, I'm not saying a different way, I'm saying another way this could be phrased, lead us away from temptation. Spurgeon said, the man who says, lead me not into temptation, and then goes into places of ill repute is a liar. So if we our feet are going in another direction, we're asking the Lord to lead us not into temptation, and we're leading ourselves into temptation, that's not going to fly. And some of us had to go down some stupid roads before we figured that out, me being one of those. But I tell you what, when you come to the end of yourself and you authentically repent, life comes, faith comes, anointing comes, and restoration of relationship comes. 
So these are precious things. So again, there's an excellent teaching that Rick does on this for further study on, on this particular prayer. <clears throat> but I want to go on to verse 5 now, where Jesus continues to make application. This is not a parable. I believe this is application of what he's just taught the boys. And he said to them, <clears throat> suppose one of you, remember now they ask teachers to pray. Okay, this is what he's continuing on. Context is everything. And this is exactly what this is. And he said to them, suppose one of you, so he makes it personal, shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say, say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Notice he's not asking for himself. He's asking something to give for someone else. There's an old Quaker word that I learned a lot of, a lot of years ago, and it's otherly. I love that word. It's not selfishly, it's otherly. And that's exactly what this fellow was doing when his friend came. He was being otherly. He says, give me some bread, man. I got nothing to feed my friend. And from inside, he shall answer and say, do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistent persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Persistence is an amazing dimension here, and it's an amazing word also. It basically means bold, unashamedness, to the point of annoyance. Now, with the guy's beating on the door, you're not going to sleep much, you know. Man, I need help. And if, if I got a problem, you're going to help me. So now notice how this goes on here. <clears throat> These are comparisons. That's why I, this, I've preached on this numbers of times, but I really saw this where Jesus said this verse 5, suppose one of you, he puts it right in your lap. It's got to be real. Otherwise, it's a story. No, this can be any one of us is in that situation. He says, and I say to you, verse 9, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Now, the Greek is really clear in there. It's ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. It's continued. This is the persistence that he's actually talking about in that area. And the language totally allows for that. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So there's an unfolding of the availability that comes with persistence. Persistence it's in, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but we're not just trying to get God to do something. You're having to get past the unfaith of your brains in that area. And the resistance that comes from the enemy as well, because I guarantee the enemy will try to talk you out of anything that is genuine uh, uh, in birth of faith. So persistence is huge. It's also insistence in that it will not be denied. Verse 10, for everyone who asks, keeps on asking, receives, and keeps on receiving. There's a Lombano word again. To receive what has been offered. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Now we go into another comparison. Now suppose one of you fathers, interesting, it's, it's, these comparisons are huge. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Well, surely not if you're a good father. 
But I have to use a little caveat in this also because there are some of you that have had snakes and scorpions given to you by earthly fathers. But Papa's got a plan for that as well. Know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare. I don't care how abusive a father has been in there. Our God is not like that. But he's not using that as a comparison. But I always point that out because some of you have had some difficult areas in being able to receive. But Jesus is headed somewhere, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's an imperative that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and have an understanding of the availability of the Holy Spirit and the continuum of it. I got baptized in the, saved and baptized in the Spirit 40 plus years ago. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life more now than I ever did at that point in time. There is there's an ongoing dimension of understanding the love of the Lord. We're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit here in John in just a moment. But Jesus, this is the whole context of what he's talking about there, the asking, the seeking, and the finding, and the possessing of the promise of the Father. <clears throat> he says, what you've heard of me. We'll look at that here in a moment. So go with me to John chapter 14. How much more is an interesting word. It means to a greater degree, more willing, much by far. The Father delights for you to receive on a continuum, an unfolding dimension of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life in every area. <clears throat> you probably made it to John 14. I have not. <clears throat> Starting with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, I remind you, this is Jesus' last dialogue with the boys before he went to the cross. I would suggest to you that you spend time in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 on a continuum because these instructional areas that Jesus has given here are just imperative to every one of our lives on a continuum. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. The word for another there is alos, and it, it's a, another of the same kind of equal, <clears throat> who the Holy Spirit is, because he's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. We've talked often about this, the Holy Spirit. There's three prepositions that we use. It's within and upon. He's with you before you're saved. He comes in you when you're born again and comes upon you to be the witness that he's called you to be and to live the life that you've been called to live as well. To release you into gift and calling and the anointing that's an imperative for you and for a whole lot of other folk. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So when Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit comes, they're together in this. 
Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. When I first got saved, I said to my friend Doug, how can I remember all this? And he took me right to this verse. He says, ask the Holy Spirit to remind you. Ask him to teach you in that area. And he taught me that relational place with the Holy Spirit to be invested in my life and to invest in asking and receiving all that he's intended and purposed. And this bring to your remembrance. I've done that so many times, it's amazing. And I said, now, Lord, I don't know where that scripture, where is that word? And then sooner or later, he quickens that to my heart and that the promptings of the Spirit of God. And so <clears throat> putting the word of God in you, my friend Warren said this to me years ago. He says, uh, putting the word in you is like putting money in the bank. One day there will be a withdrawal. So there, there's an establishment of a resource of the word. <clears throat> Uh, chapter 15, verse 26. When the helper whom I will send to you, see, first the Father sent, then I sent. I and the Father are one. From the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. And you will bear witness also because you've been with me from the beginning. Go down to chapter 16, now verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now that absolutely, that's, how could that be any better? To advantage, when I've got Jesus here in the flesh and then he says it's better if I go away? Notice what he said. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer behold me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Then he says this amazing thing, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit isn't there yet. The Holy Spirit brings revelation. Up until that time, they were leaning to their information in their soul area, and they needed the power of the Spirit. They needed to be saved after Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then they need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the things of the Spirit. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. And He shall glorify Me, for He shall take of Mine and shall disclose it to you. That's the great mighty things that you do not understand that we had there in uh, Jeremiah 33.3. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 6.63, he said, the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. That's when faith comes. Now let's see how this walks itself out. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> the promise is huge. The promise is available. It's available now the same as it was at that time frame to us. 
And this is just before Jesus ascends back to heaven again. Verse 4, chapter 1. He says, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me. And we looked at some of that. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. So this is really the bottom line that Jesus was after with the boys. He says, I want you to know the power of my spirit. And that's what carried them through this whole time. And the same thing as it carries us. The Spirit of God quickens to us. The ability first giving our first incentive for salvation. And also it's finisher. He's the one that does finishing work. It's the Spirit of Jesus Christ that teaches us how to live out what the Father has intended for us. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. You might know sooner or later I'm going to land in Ephesians. And one of the reasons is because it's been so life-changing to me. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to just look at verses 13 and 14. This phrase, in him, is just all the way through the book of Ephesians. It's in him, which is in Jesus, or in Christ. That phrase is over and over and over again. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed personally for this, you were sealed in him with a Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So the power of the Holy Spirit first gives us the ability to receive, we just mentioned that earlier, but also finishes something in our lives and we're all smooth in the middle of that as well. So the asking, <clears throat> the listening, the hearing of the Lord and receiving that which he's laid in store, that's the heart of Jesus. And that's what he has taught the boys to pray and that's what he's teaching us to pray also to come and receive that which is truly redemptive for us. Now, your homework, should you choose to accept it, is Mark chapter 4, 1 to 25. And for extra credit, you can have verses 26 to 34. Jesus is teaching the word. He's teaching the parable of the sower. And it is... In verse 3, he says, listen to this. Verse 24, he says, take care of what you listen to. This whole area of listening is huge. If you don't remember anything I said, you've got to be a listener. You've got to be able to hear God speak to you personally in that area. And then you carry out what you hear. The develop, your relationship will, will continue to develop. And this message will not self-destruct in five seconds. Okay, this is a continuum in this area. This is mission possible. 
It's possible for you to hear the Lord and walk in his ways, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be able to help each other in that area. Now, we haven't done this for a while, but I'm going to ask you to get into circles and pray for each other. Pray for the thing we, we preached about tonight. Prayer for faith, for prayer, and for the Holy Spirit. These are imperatives in our lives. And I believe there are going to be many times, matter of fact, I'm going to pray for this right now, that the power of the Holy Spirit will come as we gather in some circles and pray for each other. So Jesus Christ, we are allowing you to instruct us. We're inviting you to instruct us. Would you teach us how to pray for each other? I bind the fear of man to silence in Jesus' name. Any areas of performance, we can just get real and ask each other for prayer and enter into these things and receive that which you have laid in store for this season. That you give us the capacity for fresh faith to come Come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Find grace to help and go together in being able to receive that which you have so graciously granted to us. And that you give us the ability to pray and receive the power of the Holy Spirit fresh and new in our lives. A fresh filling of the Spirit of God. And we just honor you and thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, gather in some groups, and pray for each other. When you're done praying, you're dismissed in that area, okay? But don't slip out. Lock the doors. <laughs>